Hi, my name is Jamie, and welcome to the One World Your Story Project. We share stories from people all over the world and from all different walks of life. Because here's the thing, no matter where you are on this wild planet, and no matter what journey you have already been on, we all have our own unique story, which brings our own unique perspectives to the table. And you never know who you might inspire or completely transform simply by getting real and sharing your story. And right now, while the whole world is dealing with COVID-19, there are 7 billion people all venturing through on their own unique path. So drop in with us to hear some of these stories. And on that note, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of The Corona Diaries. So today is August 10th, 2020, which is crazy to say out loud. Um, and here today um, with Aviv talking about your experience living through this pandemic. So um, to get started, I know I just said your name, but what's your name? Um, where the heck are you in the world, both physically and geographically? Where are you? Um, how old are you? And what do you do? Uh, I'm Aviv Lang. I'm 27 years old, and I'm currently in New York City, but I have been spending most of my kind of isolation, quarantine time since March in the Finger Lakes, so kind of central New York State region. Yeah. Okay, and you're in New York City now. Are you in an apartment? Are you... Where are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm in my family's apartment here in Morningside Heights, and uh, yeah, I just came back for like a week, but it's a, it's a bit of a shock because it's my first time kind of with a ton of people kind of around since since March. I flew back from Australia in March, so. Dang, okay, and we're going to get into all of that. How many people yeah. live in the, in the family apartment right now? Uh, right now, it's just my mom and sister. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we just drove from the Finger Lakes, so my, my dad's up there. He didn't want to come back. So. Okay, so the four of you had been up there, and now it's the three of you in the city. Yeah, but we're going back up there on Wednesday, so just okay. a little. Okay, got it. And what do you do? Um, well, I used to work in advertising. I was a strategist. And I worked in advertising since I graduated in 2015. So I was doing that for four years. And I worked at a couple big agencies. And then I decided, well, I decided earlier, but May of 2019, I quit my job and I started traveling. My idea was, oh, I would travel for a year. I would take this time to kind of invest in myself and explore the world and different cultures, which I always wanted to do and kind of came to the realization of what am I waiting for? You know, <laughs> this, this is as good a time as any. And yeah, in retrospect, I'm very glad I went when I did because now we're at a point where I don't know when we'll be able to travel in the way I did again, unfortunately. So hopefully not too, too long, but yeah. Okay. So you were working as a strategist, stayed up some yeah. money and decided I'm going to go do this and live. You left May 2019, you said? Yes. Okay. And you got back in March? End of March, yeah. Okay. So you almost made it a year. And was... did you, when you, were you 27 when you left or were you 26 when you left? I was 26 when I left. So All right. So I had your birthday while you were traveling. Um, Actually. Actually, that's a that's a good story. My so my birthday is in March. My birthday is oh, March. Okay. So I came back the week before my birthday. What and a I birthday was, present! <laughs> yeah, I was actually planning to. So I was in New Zealand, and my last stop was supposed to be New Zealand. So I was in Australia, and then my last stop was supposed to be New Zealand. Uh, so I was going to spend basically the month of April in New Zealand and then come back to New York after that. 
And I was supposed to fly to New Zealand on March 30th, which is my birthday. So I was like, ah, it's, you know, a little bittersweet, but totally. I'll make it there eventually. Well, you were kind of there. I mean, but not exactly in the way that you wanted at all. Um, yeah. Okay. Super interesting. So, okay. Before I even ask you that, let's just go back in time. It's time to do that. When was the first time that you remember hearing about the coronavirus? Um, I think it was some point in early January. Do you so, remember where you were or how you heard about it? Yeah, so I was in, um, I was in Northern Thailand. So I took, I took this slow boat from Long Prabang, Laos to the border with Thailand. And I crossed the border on New Year's Eve, actually. <laughs> um, and then I went and spent 10 days living at a monastery, like all the way up in Northern Were you Thailand. doing a Vipassana? No, it was, uh, it was something I found through Work Away, actually. Okay. And it was, I think I was one of their first like foreigners who was staying there. So the, like, the monks spoke, like, basically no English, and there were a couple nuns that were my, like, kind of translators while I was there, but it was a really amazing experience. So I was there for the first, I guess, like, 10 days of January of the new year. And then after that was when I was pretty isolated while I was there, but after that was when I think I first started to kind of see the news and, and hear stuff about Corona. And at that point it was all, you know, centered around Wuhan and, and China. Um, and then I started to have more kind of in-depth conversations and learn more about it because someone, another traveler actually that I had met in, I guess, December, was it December? November or December in Cambodia, someone I met in Cambodia a couple months earlier ended up being in the same area as me and we met up again in Pai in, in Northern Thailand. And his next stop was China. So he was getting his visa for China uh, in, uh, in Chiang Mai and he was like, okay, I got my visa, but at this point, I don't know if I should actually continue with the trip and go to China. Uh, and, and he did in the end, he did continue to China and he's fine, thankfully. Um, but that's when, when I really started kind of being aware and, and through conversations with him because he was trying to make this decision. Be, yeah, I was really talking about Corona, so. And he yeah. went. I mean, that's why. Yeah. That would be a whole other story to hear about. But dang. Okay, <laughs> so maybe you wouldn't have known about it so much had that not been the case. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Because where you were in the time in Thailand, was it a thing? Was it a big deal? Were people talking about it? No, not really. I mean, I kept asking people basically up until I came back to the States, like, Oh, are you guys just locals and different people wherever I was? Are you worried about Corona or like, you know, what do you think about it? And generally the response I got, now I don't know if this is because a lot of the people were in the tourist industry, so they didn't want to kind of scare tourists away. Um, but everyone in general was like, oh, we're not, you know, we're not worried about it. Like, it's just, you know, <laughs> it is what it is kind of thing. <laughs> Well, what did you think in January when you're talking to this fellow traveler and you're hearing all this stuff? Did you start to question your plans at all? Like, or were you just like, meh, it's okay? Um, at that point, not really, because at, at that point it was very much just in, in the Wuhan kind of area. Um, and there certainly wasn't any concern in Thailand. Uh, so I was like, I guess I was aware and monitoring kind of starting at that point, but it wasn't until kind of much later when, you know, things started to get bad in Italy and Iran that, um, that I was 
starting to consider like, okay, how does this affect my plans and kind of what, what is the responsible thing also to do in terms of continuing to travel? Yeah. Talk to me about that. What was that whole process and how did you well, make the decisions you did? Yeah. So I guess after Northern Thailand, so I was in Northern Thailand in, um, in the beginning of January and then towards the end of January, I went to Myanmar actually. I was there for almost a month. And then I came back to Thailand after that, and I spent time in the south because I was just in the north the first time. So then I was in southern Thailand and kind of the islands and and all of that. And then in, I guess, beginning, middle-ish of March, I flew to uh, Sydney, Australia. So that that was kind of the point where like the last kind of week that I was in Thailand, I was obviously about to travel by air, like a long, a long kind of flight. So I was starting to really monitor it closely. And I was also starting to get worried about things like, oh, are they going to let me into Australia? Like our flight's going to be canceled. Uh, at that point, Thailand was still you know, very fine. And, and Australia was also not, um, not really seen a lot of cases, but I got into Sydney. I got into Australia two days before they put in place the like two week mandatory isolation for all travelers. So they were still letting people in at that point, but uh, two days after I got there, they started like saying, okay, you have to isolate if you're coming in. And then I think it was the following week, like I arrived, I think on a Friday and then the next Wednesday, they basically shut down all travel for non-citizens. So I, I just barely made it into Australia. And then at that point I was like, okay, you know, it's, it's probably not responsible for, even though I'm like in and technically fine, it's probably not responsible for me to continue with my itinerary and like fly to Melbourne now and then go to Tasmania and like, uh, yes. And, and see all these people because I think the thing that was hard was Australia kind of felt like it was going to be a bit of a homecoming for me in a weird way, just because I had met like so many people through the course of my travels who were in Australia at that time. And I was planning to meet up with them and, and not so much do like sightseeing type stuff, but just like reconnect with other travelers that I had met. So that was hard because it was basically Corona affects all kind of social interaction. And my whole reason for being there was kind of social interaction. So at that point, I was like, okay, you know, I, I got to just kind of scrap it. Dang. What is, okay, so when you flew to Australia, was that the original date that you were going? Yeah, yeah. So I... Wow, that's I mean, so I, lucky. Yeah, I didn't book flights, like, far in advance. So I'd only booked that flight, like, the week or two weeks before. Okay, uh, but, okay. But yeah, I had just... I. Yeah, I just happened to luck out that it was a couple days before they shut He's stuff lucky. down. I, I, I travel the same way. You don't book a flight like months in advance because who knows where you're going to go, what's yeah. going to happen, I, like flexible. You want to wow. stay somewhere. So. Okay, so you make it to Australia. By the way, like what did it feel like as an American at that time, did that ever feel different or weird? Were you talking to your family back home? Let's say like that week that you were in Australia or beforehand. Yeah, I, I mean, I was obviously following kind of the, the progression in the U.S. on my own, but it was really only that week, like when I was in Australia that I started like seriously talking to my family and I was like okay you know maybe I should come back and kind of trying to gauge how it was going here because at that point it was like getting really bad in New York City um, and that was another thing it was like oh it, it makes sense like this is a time that I want to be with my family but it also doesn't make so much sense 
to go to New York, which is which at that time was literally like the center of Corona. So uh, bless you. <laughs> Thank you. No, it's funny because I have a friend, well, a bunch of friends that were traveling, but my friend Jade was in Bali and she's like, should I come back? Like, what's safer? I don't know. I want to be by my friends and family, but am I ever actually going to be able to see them? Like, will we be together? Like, what is going to happen? So how did you end up making the decision? Hey, I'm going to leave Australia. Cause I know some people that actually stayed there, by the way, they're in much better shape right now. I know. I think part of it was just the the time, like the point in my travels also, like I think if it had been earlier in my travels, I would have been more inclined to like, okay, you know, maybe I'll hunker down, get an Airbnb. You only had a month left anyway. Yeah. A month and a half, whatever it was. And I think the, the kind of not knowing how, how long, you know, we still don't know how long this is going to play out was very hard because I was like, oh, if I know for sure, okay, I'm just going to have to like spend a month, two months in Australia. Great, great place to be. You know, <laughs> uh, I can just, I don't know, get a, get a van and just road trip by myself. But I think not knowing and also seeing that like flights were just starting to get canceled, like just left and right. Um, just not, not knowing if I would like be able to get a flight if I waited even another week in Australia was was really hard and that was which you wouldn't have by the way they shut everything yeah yeah I got one of the the last ones through Hawaiian Airlines actually (laughs) because all of the main airlines they were just canceling everything and what was Um, it like to fly at that time to come back to the U.S. um and it was weird because you like I went to the airport in Sydney and yeah, there were may- maybe like a handful of flights leaving. <laughs> like that's a big airport. And then I think the weirder thing was at that point, it was, I think it was like the 24th of March or something. I flew, so I flew from Sydney to Honolulu and then Honolulu to JFK, New York city. Um, and I wasn't screened like at all, which was the concerning thing because I was kind of worried for the opposite because it was a few days earlier that there were all those photos of JFK with people like packed into the hallway waiting for like six hours to get through, uh, like immigration and security. So I, I was like, that that seems like the worst situation. You're stuck in like an enclosed space with people who have come from all over all the over. world. Yeah, so I was thankful that it was kind of a, a very smooth and, and seamless travel process. But it was also kind of concerning that like I wasn't screened at all. I mean, I was kind I of concerning. <laughs> I mean, I talked to this woman who literally flew to L.A., I want to say February, I can't remember, from Shanghai. Mm-hmm. And the only question that she was asked is, well, do you have a fever? And were you in Wuhan? <laughs> that was it. Yeah. No I screening. Mean, I- so she comes in and it's like, and we wonder. Like, I mean, yeah. I don't think anyone's wondering anymore, like, why things are the way. But yeah, that's concerning for a thousand reasons. You're like, I don't want to be packed like sardines because that's, clearly uncomfortable and yet you should be doing more than this like yeah what is going on and and by the way well you were in australia so maybe it was less of a culture shock because they're more aligned i guess with u.s culture if you will compared to like thailand for example yeah um or mine more but not only are you coming back to the United States after being away for almost a year, you're coming back at a crazy time. I mean, what was that like? Um, well, I basically went straight into isolation. So my dad picked me up at JFK and then we drove straight to our place in the Finger Lakes. Were you wearing a mask, by the way, when he picked you up? Was yeah. Was wearing a mask? Yeah, I was, yeah, we were wearing masks and... 
Um, I, yeah, I had like a whole getup. I had gloves. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But, um, uh, yeah, everyone was wearing masks, I think, on the flight and in general in the airport. But, yeah, we basically drove straight, straight upstate, like four and a half hour drive. So the rest of my family was here in the city. So, like, I wasn't so happy about, like, potentially exposing my dad, but it was, like, that was a way for us to kind of try to minimize it. Like, I would basically go upstate, and it's obviously outdoors and more space to not be confined in a New York City apartment. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so we went up there, and, and I kind of, you know, waited out two weeks there. <laughs> So, okay, you didn't really have that culture shock of being in Manhattan and like, whoa, and, and, no. and probably feel it being in upstate as much. Yeah, not at all. Like, I literally, I didn't see anybody while I was up there for months besides my dad. I came back in April, actually, for a few days with him to New York. And that was, that was the first time that I felt kind of like how much the city had changed. Like that was still like full on, like the worst of the first wave. And, um, you know, you just heard sirens nonstop and at seven o'clock every day, you know, everyone opened their windows and was like cheering for the, you know, uh, nurses and doctors and essential workers and you know like a neighbor across the streets like playing the trumpet and stuff so you felt you felt at that point I felt how much the city had changed but you also felt like kind of the communal support of the you know the the neighborhood the community kind of in this together in in isolation but the, the kind of connectedness of the city, at least, like upstate. Yeah, yeah together. You don't see anybody. <laughs> it's, it's very different. I think New York, of all the cities in the U.S., because like in Denver, we did that at 8 p.m., but there was something about New York doing it that like, because I interviewed a bunch of people from New York, and it was like, we're all here, New York proud, like, and it was the epicenter, like, I don't know. I think that that was so many people saving grace was that 7 a.m. all come or 7 p.m. all come together and do that. I mean, you're yeah. in the city now. Fast forward. And I mean, Jesus, how slow did March and April feel? And then all of a sudden, bam, here we are in the middle of August. Like, how did that happen? I don't know. And you're now in New York City. Yeah. Yeah, it does feel very different now. I mean, partially, I guess, because it's warmer weather so people people just can't stay inside I think anymore um, but people are out and about and it feels more like a state of a new norm like there are new procedures and people are used to that but people are finding kind of their routines again and kind of a new way of life within you know people wearing masks, people, uh, you know, waiting their turn to go into the grocery stores and waiting in line in kind of spaced out six feet kind of sections, um, everyone dining outside. So it feels much more um, like people just have, have adjusted and are just trying to kind of balance this um, kind of new precautions but also the need to to see people you know to have some sense of normalcy you know just uh it's um yeah it, it's it's obviously we're in a global pandemic but it's also like not healthy to be in isolation for so long like mentally so i i very much feel being back here like that balance of people just finding this kind of new norm for themselves. What about you? Um, for me, 
What's your new normal? I mean, are you working? Are you seeing people? Like what, what does your life look like today as of August 10th, 2020? Yeah. So it's, I'm still finding it for myself. I think it's good to be back just to be able to see, see some friends like, um, you know, distanced, just like meeting in the park. I saw some people yesterday and it was, yeah, it was like the first time that I've seen, besides like a couple of people that I saw upstate. It's the first time I've like seriously like seen people and, and hung out for an extended period of time. So that felt like really, really good. You know, I, I was feeling very kind of out of balance in terms of, you know, making the most of, of things and working on my own kind of projects and um, writing a lot, which has been good. But I think after the first couple months of of isolation I was like okay you know need something else you know I need to I need to mix mix things up a little bit because you can go crazy really tough yeah yeah and I wasn't totally by myself you know I I was with my family so which what has that been like I mean when was the last time y'all lived together like that and for this long of a time what's it been like um it's it's been pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm very close to my family. So it's, especially in the beginning, it was very nice because I hadn't seen them in a while. Um, so that was actually, that went quite well and and has been going pretty smoothly, but I think it's, it's the, you know, like three, four months later, not having kind of the balance of, of your own space and, being able to like see friends and socialize a lot and that starts to become more kind of stressful. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, family's amazing. Don't get me wrong, but Jesus, you need your own space in life too, I think. But is it in the, I don't know. I don't know. Um, It's, it's, it's wild. And I'm grateful that you have them because so many people don't have support like that, especially to come back and, I mean, are you working? Have you thought about work or what you're going to do? I mean, what are your plans? Can you make Uh, plans? (laughs) The tough questions. (laughs) Um, I, I've, I've been struggling with that a lot right now because I was in one sense, it's kind of the best time to continue this kind of self-reflection and figure out what's next for myself but in the other sense, I was kind of anticipating spending the last month of my travels, kind of seriously thinking about that for myself and reflecting. So to suddenly kind of come back, obviously isolation is great for that. And I, I've done that, but I also feel like I didn't fully kind of process that kind of transition back. Um, so I, yeah, I haven't been working. Um, I've been, I've been writing a lot, um, a lot of kind of reflection and stories from my travels. And I, I'm a filmmaker. So I, I've been working on a lot of film projects, ideas that I kind of had while traveling that I didn't kind of actually put together or complete. So that's been good. But then it's also kind of that balance of not always having the motivation to like continue working on those projects when I don't have like kind of the um, the kind of inspiration or the the kind of conversations with other people that Mm. help me kind of get excited about projects and, and fuel my work so that's been uh, that's been a kind of back and forth of one week. I'm like super excited and motivated and, and work on a film, and then another week I'm like, oh, I've got to you know, <laughs> got to apply to grad school or like look for jobs or something because I need something more structured in my life. But it's like okay, grad school online. In person, no, definitely not this year. Yeah, what kind of job? Like, there's all of these questions, and anyway, yeah. I know those are hard questions, and it's really hard to plan right now. We have no idea what's gonna yeah. happen. Um, 
which by the way, you were mentioning travel and you're glad that you did it when you did. I'm glad you did it when you did, because I mean, our passports now, we can't go to 90% of the world. Our passport is shit. It is painstaking for me. What do you think about that? Especially, I mean, you just traveled and I think that, correct me if I'm wrong on this assumption, but once you get a taste of it, there's no going back. You can't forget what a beautiful world it is out there and how much there is to explore. And now it's completely taken away from us. Yeah. I mean, obviously I, I'm grateful that I just had, I was able to do this whole experience. So I'm, while part of me is obviously, yes, there's so much more to see. I need to go out and and see more. I'm totally understanding and fine with taking this time to wait. You know, I can wait a year. I can. Do you think it's just going to be a year? I hope so. You know, (laughs) I'm I'm hopeful that by next spring we'll we'll be back to some some state of new normal. You know whatever. I mean, look is. at look at the United States, Aviv. Every month that you've been back, has it not gotten crazier and crazier here? And I mean, when you left yeah. in May 2019, so many things didn't look like they do here. I mean, we're not just going through one pandemic here, one crisis. Like there's a lot going on. And what is that all like to process coming back to this? I'm going to call it a a shit storm. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, it's not necessarily good or bad, but I am curious to see what the new norm is. You know, what, when we reach whenever that is that day that it's like, okay, we, you know, we don't have to worry so much about Corona. Hopefully it will be sooner rather than later. But I I do wonder what the U S will look like. What, you know, will, will people still be wearing masks or a large portion of the population? You know, will it be like much of Asia to this day after SARS, you know, like you, you know, while I was traveling before Corona, people just wear masks quite regularly when they're going about their, you know, their daily lives. So I I do wonder what kind of the cultural impact, what the foundational kind of um, behaviors that will remain with us. I mean, um, there's literally no way that there won't be long lasting impacts like that. No, for sure. Yeah. And I studied in in college, I studied uh, behavioral economics. So I am very much interested in kind of the the social psychology of the the cultural impact and the the things that affect people's decision making and choices. And, And I think we're in a kind of pressure cooker of you know, usually these things take years and years to evolve and change if they ever do. And it's crises like these that accelerate that process. And really accelerate. Really really, um, interesting. Yeah, again, not necessarily bad, not necessarily good, but just what, what will those new kind of norms be what will it and by the way i mean the behavioral economics behind spending right now and americans and this the the infusion of money and the unemployment i mean it's and the credit that we've already it's going to be insane to see what happens it really will and um Okay, on that note, I'm going to switch gears just ever so slightly, um, just to make sure I get these questions in in time, and then we can dive into some more stuff. If there's For time. sure. These are questions that I ask everyone, um, and really curious from you as a traveler is, you know, first of all, if you could predict the future, Aviv, when are we getting out of this? Um. And I remember, by the way, when I started doing this in March, so many people were like, ah, August, September. We're definitely not out of it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say, you know, May is when I originally left. So I'm going to say May 2021. May 2021. Okay, so that's yeah. eight months, nine months, more or less, something like that. Yeah. Three quarters of a year. Okay, let's see what happens. May 2021, 
when we're all looking back on all of this, and I say we, I mean globally the world, who are we going to look at as the country that handled it the best? Who's the golden child? And who is the golden fuck up? Um, man, uh, that's tough. I think it's so hard because obviously so many factors go into different countries' responses. So my initial inclination is to say countries in Europe, like Germany and the Netherlands and countries like that, but it's also a lot easier for countries like that because they're, they're smaller, they're generally very wealthy countries and they have amazing kind of healthcare infrastructure. So, so I guess I would still say that, but with those caveats, um, I guess also along those lines, kind of like South Korea, um, Japan, because they, yeah, they were pretty up there at one point, but they, they managed to contain things. Taiwan, that's where I started my travels in Asia, and they really kind of closed things off very quickly, contained it. And also, we, we can't, I think what we're seeing in the U.S. Is, is a lot of the kind of cultural impact, like a country like Taiwan has much more of a communal kind of sense of social responsibility that I think is why we're seeing a lot of the challenges here in the U.S. is a lot more emphasis on the, the individual versus the collective. And the effects of that is that, you know, you're, you might be thinking about yourself, but you're endangering the, endangering the community. So I think countries that already culturally have more of a sense of, of the communal um, were able to, to handle it better. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, look at like Switzerland, for example, right? Um, and Sweden and, and I don't know though, like you're, I hear what you're saying completely and fully. And by the way, your opinion is your opinion and it's valid. Um, and I just think like, look at the Netherlands is a little bit more socialistic, but Germany, Spain, Italy, they're not socialist countries. Um, they definitely have different healthcare structure for sure. But in a yeah. lot of ways, it was like, okay, first world country, um, a lot of similarities economically to the US in a way like the whole EU. I mean, there should have been no reason that they did so much better than the United States, I think, especially when thinking about the individualistic society, because in a lot of ways, those countries very much are, I think, in the same way as the US. However, what I think is different is that the knowledge, uh, by the way, and those countries are so much older. They have been through some stuff before. There's <laughs> some history there, but they're also more worldly. Choose to actually educate themselves about the rest of the world and not just look at themselves. Whereas I think the U.S., I mean, there's so many people that have not only have they never been out of the country, they've never been out of their state or their own. Think about New York. How many people from Long Island have literally never left Long Island? And yeah. we're just like in these bubbles and have so much freedom and privilege here and take it for granted. Freedom, can't tell me what to do. Blah, blah, blah. Sometimes we need a little bit of structure. Like you were talking about grad school, for example. But it's a, it's a bit of both though, just to, to finish on that. Like the in one sense, you have a large portion of the U.S. that hasn't had that kind of worldly exposure, um, which I think is so valuable of traveling to other countries that, you know, how, think about how, I don't know what the number is, but it's a large portion of the U.S. population that doesn't even have a passport. It's never has, has gone through that process because they haven't had a need. Um, but then you also have the other portion of the of the U.S. population that travels so much. 
and those kind of globalized threads that in a pandemic become the spread of the pandemic because I, I stayed in touch. I, I taught English for a week and a half when I was in Myanmar and I stayed in touch with um, some of the teachers and students there. And I was, you know, texting them and, and seeing how they were doing. And they were like, yeah, we're fine. You know, we don't have very many cases. And I think it's a lot easier for some countries to just kind of shut down those kind of global connections because there, there maybe aren't as many to begin with. And I, I also think that the U.S.'s kind of emphasis on the economy over the people is one of those factors for keeping those kind of global connections open because the concern for the economy is, which, you know, there, there is some merit in the fact of when you don't have a strong social kind of support system that it, it becomes a tough decision of like, do, do you eat or, you know, do you expose your, your family to Corona potentially. So it's, it's tough. Um, Those are crazy decisions that we're having to make right now. Yeah. Crazy decisions. And what you just said about the economy versus the human versus the, I mean, that's been a really big thing in the U.S., yeah. especially with the current political situation that we have going on. And, oh, it's just wild. It's just wild, wild, wild. Okay, so you answered the question about who's crashing it. Yeah. Who's the golden fuck up? Uh, yes. Um, I mean, the U.S. for sure. <laughs> oh, Again, it's so I sad. But it's I was like, oh, that, yeah, that's. Yeah. Also, maybe, maybe Brazil. It's not talked about that much, but the U.S. It's just yeah. the U.K. hasn't done great either. Um, but nobody's really failed like we have, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and 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 to your point, like about the differences and how some uh, there's a population of Americans that never got a passport, and this huge population that is globally. It's a massive fucking country that we live in. Massive, okay? And you can literally see the pockets of like, and I want to see a political overlay, an education overlay, right? Of like where the hot spots are. It's kind of, I mean, it makes sense, but it's wild and sad. And anyway, um, we're going to move on from those kinds of topics because just find myself going nuts. Um, when, that's not what I meant to say. Okay, so it gets really heavy and it can get heavy, but I always love to ask this question because it's an unfortunate truth that in darkness is when light shines the brightest, right? Like in tragedy is when we have the biggest innovations and we have to figure it out because we literally have to. So yes. um, my favorite question to always ask is, um, and, and I haven't asked this in almost a month, so it's gonna be cool. What good are you seeing come out of this? What positive things from family, friends, the world, the U.S., um, I don't know, different industries? What good are you seeing? Um, I think the examples of community and people coming together to support each other, I think that that is the, the kind of silver lining, like, Maybe we, you know, the, the news oftentimes likes to emphasize kind of the negatives and not the positive things. But I think, like I was saying, the, the experience of being here in, in April of like people being separate, but this feeling of, of the community together and of that kind of support for the essential workers and um, that, I, I think that's kind of the best face of humanity in all of this are, are those kind of examples. And then beyond that, I think all of the protests in the U S like all of the, 
the Black Lives Matter um, protests and outrage and demand for long overdue substantive change in policing and criminal justice, that I think wouldn't have been the same without it taking place. To, I mean, obviously it's been ongoing and we've had in, you know, just in the last few years, other major kind of protests and kind of outcry, but this felt different because I think so many people were working from home, so they were able to participate maybe in a different way than they um, normally would have. And I think it was also another instance of kind of an opportunity for community and for people to come together during a time when we've been so kind of starved of that. So I like to see it as a as a positive thing. Um, I guess the the kind of pessimistic view of it could also be like, oh, people or some people are just doing it because of those factors. But I think it's a positive thing that in this time of stress, people took this opportunity of like, oh, I am home. Oh, I, you know, Corona is is affecting um, communities, minority color, you know, people of color more than um, more than than white people in in the U.S. So I think it it is a factor. It it is something that um, has kind of brought people together in in support that. Uh, maybe wouldn't have happened in the same way without Corona. Yeah, I mean, essentially you said the same thing for, for your positive, which is community and support, right? Like it's, yeah. it's been really cool to see. I mean, at the end of the day, as humans, literally in our DNA, we need connection. We are social beings. We literally need yeah. it. Um, and it has been so beautiful to see the ways in which people have connected. I mean, and support, right? The 7 p.m. thing in New York. That is the perfect example of that people cooking for each other and going out of their way to do favors and connecting with family and friends they haven't talked to in years. It's been really Checking in on elderly people. 100%. For them. Yeah. 100%. It's beautiful. And the support of the black community, of our brothers and sisters, the support of a lot of different communities right now actually yeah. is really incredible. And you're, you're, you're right. There's definitely people that are just jumping on the bandwagon to do it, but who gives a shit? The fact is they're doing it. It's supportive and it yeah. is absolutely a good thing. And I think it's, it's like that pressure cooker you were talking about earlier. It's not just that this has been going on and all of a sudden it's been, it's like, people's mental states are just not, I mean, nobody I don't think is on fully solid ground right now. And yeah, I'm more inclined to be outraged and um, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. It ain't over. It's far from over. There's been, I think, so many blind spots uncovered for people and you can't unlearn yeah. this stuff. So it's going to be wild come May 2021 to see where we're at and what that new normal looks like. And um, thank you for sharing all of that. I know as a try, I mean, the, the support in the community that you feel instantly while traveling, you're alone, but you're never alone. To feel that in some regard here is, is quite lovely. I love it. Um, so that's really all I have for you in the last couple of minutes. Is there anything else that you would like to share on the record about your experience living through this time in history of you? Um, I think going off of the, the thing you just said about like the experience as a traveler, and we were also talking about, you know, just speculation of what the new norms may be for better or worse. One thing that I, I really do hope doesn't change is the kind of, openness to strangers and meeting new people because I think one of the wonderful things about traveling that I'm starting to miss now is just all of the random interactions and you just arrive in a new place and suddenly 
five minutes later, you're having some weird random conversation or learning something about someone in a place that you knew nothing about before. Meeting and that, Harry and Kayla. Exactly, you know, just randomly meeting on a, on a boat to a, to a dragon boat race. Yeah, and wow. So that kind of thing, I hope there isn't a kind of cautiousness or apprehension to um, kind of meeting and interacting with strangers when we are in, you know, May 2021 and things are in a new normal. Um, because I think there, whether what I learned is for me, it mattered much less where I was in the world, in what country, in what town, and if I was in a big city or a small rural place, but it really mattered much more like who I was with and 100%, the people. 100%. And that can happen close to home or far away. It, you know, it doesn't really matter, but it does require a certain openness on all people's parts to to that kind of interaction and that conversation and and that space. So I, I hope with the kind of, kind of, uh, yeah, just, you know, masks also as just a physical barrier to seeing body language and kind of facial expressions um, and obviously social distancing. And, um, understandably, you know, talking to a stranger, you don't know their, level of precaution during this time so it, it makes sense but i hope that's something that comes back you know that's not one of the the new norms that we close ourselves off to i could people. i couldn't agree with you more i i i meeting new people and having those chance interactions is one of my favorite things about life and yeah. um we will continue to make it happen we're doing it <laughs> literally right now um, so don't worry, it's going to happen, but I'm with you. And, um, thank you so, so much. That was really yeah, wonderful. Thank you. thank you so much for listening to this episode of the one world, your story podcast. If you enjoyed hearing this story and you wish to hear more, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes and YouTube. And of course, follow us on Instagram at one world, your story from all of us here at the one world, your story podcast. We are sending you so much joy and love. Have a wonderful rest of your day.